So our sermon text this morning is Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. And we have read that already, so we will pay attention to these verses together this morning. Am I my brother's keeper? This is a question Cain asked the Lord in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. A question nearly as old as time. Am I my brother's keeper? This is probably a, a familiar question that many of us have heard. Maybe when you were younger, your, your mom or dad has asked you, Where, where's your brother? And you jokingly replied, I, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Repeating the answer, Cain gave the Lord. God, throughout the scriptures, has over and over again shown that we are our brother's and sister's keeper. His instruction to pray, to love, to do good, to bear one another's burdens can be found throughout his living word. And we have such a passage before us this morning. The Lord, through his messenger Paul, has instructed his covenant people of Galatia that they have been freed from the law and that they are now to live out this freedom in works of love. They have been freed through grace alone, by faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone according to God's divine plan, according to his good pleasure. And this is their reality. They are citizens of the kingdom of God. And now they are to live out of this reality, living by the Spirit. The church today, us here this morning, are also living out of this reality, and so we too, as God's covenant children, are led by the Spirit and live according to God's will. This gospel message will be brought to us this morning under this theme and points. The theme this morning is accountable to God, responsible for one another. And we will look at two points, the first being the Spirit leads us to bear one another's burdens. And in our second point, we'll look at the Spirit leads us to sow for the good of everyone. Our first point then, the Spirit leads us to bear one another's burdens. Our first point comes from the second verse of our chapter. Bear one another's burdens. God instructs all believers to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5 verse 14. When someone is burdened, they are struggling because something is weighing them down. And what are the burdens that we are to bear for one another? In broader terms, we can certainly think of physical burdens. Some struggle 
in the church with ailments such as broken bones, depression and anxiety, financial struggles. We certainly need to be aware of those who have such burdens and bear with them in whatever way we can. This is showing love for our neighbor. Another burden that some carry are spiritual burdens. The burden of transgression, sin. And this brings us back to verse 1. Paul, addressing the brothers and sisters of Galatia, says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. As sinners, there are transgressions that we commit against God that catch us by surprise. Sins that have become commonplace in our lives. It could be lying, gossiping, jealousy, being prideful, or anger. We think we are standing strong, but then we fall. We feel guilt, and we may even withdraw from other believers. When this happens to a member in the church, says Paul, you who are spiritual should restore him. And we can add to that, or her. You who are spiritual should restore him or her. Sinners require restoration. And whose responsibility is it to correct the sinner? Those who are spiritual. Those who are spiritual are given a gift that flows from the Holy Spirit. He uses flawed men and women to restore fellow believers. Men and women who are gentle and humble. We can think of the men that God has ordained in his church. Pastors, elders, deacons are examples of those who have been gifted for this task. Those who are gifted by the Spirit may find it difficult to bear transgressions of others. When one is aware of his or her own sins and shortcomings, the thought may be, who am I to correct and admonish my brother or sister? Or how will I be able to bear their burdens when I have burdens of my own? Carrying the burdens of others can affect our own spiritual well-being. And this is why God also instructs you who are spiritual to keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. God cares for his people. So he does not want any to put themselves in spiritual danger. Approaching situations and people with humility and gentleness arises from the understanding of our own sins and limitations. Believers ought to recognize their own weaknesses and be on guard. If we are battling off similar temptations, it is wise not to put ourselves in harm's way. If, for example, there is concern that a member is being divisive in the church, 
And we have a difficult time ourselves remaining neutral. It may be wise to step back from the situation and ask another spiritual member to step in. And why is God instructing the Galatian believers to restore fellow believers from their transgression? The goal of restoration is to lead the sinner to repentance before God. When there is true repentance, the sinner is cleansed of his or her sin in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is God's will that his people live in holiness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. The Holy Spirit's work among the Christian community is needed for this. This is why those who are gifted by the Spirit are instructed to restore. They are responsible for stepping in alongside fellow believers, helping them with their spiritual burdens, and directing them to a life of holiness before God. This responsibility takes time and commitment. It takes a listening ear and much patience. It takes a willingness willingness to listen and learn about the lives of God's children. Truly learning about their struggles. There is no greater Christian love than taking the time to correct fellow Christians in their errors and lead them to repentance. And after repentance takes place, the consequences of sin still remain. And part of bearing the burden of the transgression of others is also bearing those consequences of sin. And this can be particularly difficult. The fallout of drunkenness might mean that someone is unable to support their family. In such a case, it could be very difficult for us to sympathize. We may think or or even say, "It's, it's their own fault. Yet, the command from God still stands. Bear one another's burdens. For Christians, there is no picking or choosing of what consequences of sin we will bear for others. Here, we are reminded of what the Spirit directed our brother James to write. And he writes, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? James 2, verse 15 through 16. When we provide for the needs of our fellow Christians, we take the weight off the person who is burdened. Imagine the relief of the repentant alcoholic, a brother or sister who has lost everything and is unable to provide shelter and food for the family. When a fellow Christian houses the family and provides some food and supplies to help them get back on their feet. A tremendous burden would be lifted off the minds of those in that family. 
A faith working through love carries the burdens of others as if they are our own burdens. This means covenant believers delight in restoring others in holiness. Those in the church don't think that that they are above this duty to our fellow Christian. As verse 3 reads, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Those deceptive thoughts of, "I I am above this. I am too important. Somebody else can help them. When there is someone in need who is caught in sin, we may even notice a family member in their sin and think, oh, they'll come around. Give them space. Because we have convinced ourselves that we are too busy to consider their holiness. Yet, God's instruction remains for spiritual believers. Restore him or her. The command is there, and now we must evaluate our own work. Verse 4 reads, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Those who are of the Spirit, working in love, should not be looking across the way, comparing their work with others, but they should be focused on their own work Thoughts and comments such as, how, how come the elders or pastor haven't visited that individual yet? They, they know that person's situation. Is an example of testing our neighbor rather than ourselves. Each one of us is responsible for working among the body of believers. For the Lord will judge our own work the load which we bore in the church on Judgment Day. The Spirit directs our hearts and minds to have a proper attitude towards serving others, bearing their burdens. We do not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians 5, verse 26. Rather, the Spirit leads us to imitate Christ, who emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Philippians 2, verse 7. Only through the Spirit, by faith, are we able to fulfill the law of Christ. And this brings our attention back to Christ. What he has done and continues to do for us, we must do for others. And since he continues to work in us and for us, the burdens of others we bear in our own perfections rest upon him. Remember Matthew chapter 11. Our Lord Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whatever burdens we have received from others, that weigh us down, we bring before our Savior, Jesus Christ, and He will give us rest. He helps us bear the burdens of others. He provides us with His Spirit 
so we can bear one another's burdens. This is the wonderful news of the gospel. We are sinful, weak, and unable to bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. But Christ strengthens us spiritually so that we are able to bear the burdens of one another and restore others to a life of holiness before God. Jesus says, come. Go to him in prayer, brothers and sisters. Do so individually, but also with the one whose burdens you are helping bear. Lay your heavy-laden minds and hearts before Christ. He is your mediator before God, and he hears your pleas for mercy. He is your shepherd, and he will not turn away his sheep when they are suffering. When God commands and instructs us, he also gives us the means necessary to fulfill his command. He is good and faithful to his church. And this will bring us to our second point, where first we notice that those who are spiritual must restore. Now we will look at how those who are restored must in turn support others. Our second point, the Spirit leads us to sow for the good of everyone. It is a, a most basic principle and one that we all know very well. Whatever we sow, we will reap. Or we will reap whatever we sow. This language, of course, brings to mind seeds and harvesting. Whatever seeds we sow, that will we reap or harvest in the future. It's such a simple principle. And, and the children here probably know how this works. If we plant potato seeds, we harvest potatoes. And if we plant cactus seeds, we will reap cactuses. And so it is with a Christian life. We will reap what we sow. Yet, as Christians, when it comes to our eternal well-being and our salvation, we do not reap what we have sown, but what Christ has sown in our hearts. And we live out of what Christ has sown and grown in our hearts. Filled with the, with the Spirit, we are now responsible for sowing to the Spirit. And this sowing becomes evident in our activities and involvement in the church. Let's turn our attention to, to verse 6 with this in mind. And here we read, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. The one who teaches. This could be pastors, mission workers, moms and dads, catechism instructors, could be anyone who has knowledge of the word and teaches it. 
And what an encouragement it is for those who teach and preach when they notice their students are active with the word. The seeds planted are bearing fruit. Sharing all good things means that those who are taught the word are supportive of the ministry of the gospel. They're giving of their time and money. This is sowing to the Spirit, supporting the spreading and seeding of the gospel. There is a a mutual partnership that is formed between the teachers and those who are taught. As Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. And Paul does not have wealth for himself in mind here, but instead his concern was the lack of fruit in the church. The lack of fruit means that there are more serious spiritual concerns at work. Paul understands that from the heart one gives. And those who are sowing to the Spirit have spiritual, healthy hearts. They trust and are content in all things at all times and are able to abound in every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7-8. through 8. And such Christians strive... They strive to be supportive members of the church. When the collection bag comes around, or when thinking of church donations, they have considered what they are able and willing to give for the support of the needy in the church. If there is a a call to provide meals for a family in the church, they answer the call. When someone is in the hospital for long-term care, they take the time to visit and read and pray with the church member. All the while doing so out of love and joy for fellow covenant children. It is a matter of the heart. And God knows the hearts of each and every one of us. Paul strongly warns the Galatian believers, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And we may be able to to hide the motives of our hearts from people, but God cannot be mocked. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present. We only deceive ourselves when we are convinced in our minds that our lack of activity in the church is not known to God. He knows our hearts. Whatever we sow now will be revealed in the future when, it's, when it is time for the harvest. Recall verse 5. For each will have to bear his own Load. Every word and work we do on earth will be brought before the just judge on the day of judgment. 
And this is why Paul says to the Galatians, with urgency, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The sowing will either reap corruption, destruction, or eternal life. Now, this may be unsettling for some of us. We may be anxious about the day of judgment. We may be asking ourselves, does, does God keep an account of everything that I do? Even those things that I have asked forgiveness from? Whatever happened to forgive and forget? In Revelation 20, verse 12, we read that the the books are opened up very publicly. The books contain our works. Everything that we have done in the flesh while active on earth, these will be judged. But before judging our works, God opens the book of life. The Lord remembers his covenant promises. He promises to save those who believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Those who believe that have their names written in the book of life. And this book is opened before the judgment begins. Thankfully, we are not saved by our works but by God's grace and good pleasure. So we must pray, earnestly pray, for the Spirit to dwell in our hearts, that He may transform our lives and help us live in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of our sins. Our Lord's atoning sacrifice on the cross satisfied God's wrath for all who believe in Him. And for those who believe, we trust that in him we will experience eternal life. The day of judgment is an event that shows that all the glory belongs to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to mention, Let us then not grow weary of doing good, for in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. As Christians, we, we strive on. And we do not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, because of Christ's work, we will reap eternal life. Christ's Spirit leads those in the church to have this, this mutual desire. A desire to do good to everyone. Everyone. In the Spirit, we cannot ignore the needs of others. That the gospel is global. It does not belong to one group of people. We as God's people may not turn a blind eye to those who are in need of the gospel. So we must financially support teachers, preachers, and mission workers or organizations who are involved in outreach and overseas mission projects. We can think of the Edmonton Mission Board, the local work that is being done by their worker, Darren Versteg, 
And this is, this is indeed important work to support. Yet our attention should be especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's good to be supporting those working among unbelieving communities, but do not abandon those teachers and preachers who are within the church. If their work is not supported, this will affect the spiritual well-being of the church. And if the church is unwell, the work outside her doors will also suffer. The Spirit directs us to support the work of the gospel for the good of everyone, but especially those in the household of faith. God has made us accountable for them. We are our brothers and sisters' keepers. They are our responsibility. If you know of someone struggling in sin, visit them and listen to their struggles. Bear their burdens and lead them to repentance and provide for their physical needs if necessary. And go, go with them to Jesus Christ in prayer. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. That's his promise to his sheep. Amen.